a new game. Yes, it is. For 12-pack radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, the most interesting podcast in your face covering Pac-12 football news. This is Brian Conger. It's almost awake right now. It's very depressing. We're getting to the end of college football season, and I wish I had, like, Mozart's Requiem or something, just something real depressing in the background to play right now. But we still have a number of weeks of college football to cover, not only the Pac-12 championship, but we will also be with you throughout the bowl season. And to join me in this celebration slash depression is the one and only creator of the beta rank college football advanced statistical model, Mr. Rob Bowen. What's going on, Rob? Oh, I am. Uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm actually back in Pac-12 country for, uh, for uh, Thanksgiving. So yeah, we're recording uh, at a reasonable hour for you. <laughs> Which is great. <laughs> yeah, I no, I actually had to push it back later so my my toddler would be asleep so that I could do this. So uh, dad problems, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was an interesting week in the the Pac-12. Uh, Arizona gets boat raced. You have the Oregon ASU just rock fight in the second half. Utah firing uh, Mike uh, uh, McIntyre after he was basically fired anyway. <laughs> but like they really yeah. they put the nails in the coffin physically. You have Clay Helton. Losing to Chip Kelly in Chip Kelly's first season at, at UCLA. This was an interesting week, and I'm really excited to talk about it. What stood out for uh, the most in your mind? I think what really stood out was that ASU's offense. I mean, they went back and had, I mean, they've had kind of an up and down mercurial season, um, but they've had far more good games than bad. Um, but they went out and had a game like they had against Stanford, where they, they had a bad game. Uh, against Oregon, their offense did. I mean, but conversely, like Oregon's defense has had a few good games, but more bad games than good. And they had probably their best outing in the season against ASU. Um, that was not expected. Um, and I, Oregon has jumped up um, late in the model uh, as a result um, to a, a far more respectable spot than they were <laughs> sitting at, especially on defense. Um, I was a little surprised at Arizona. Um, getting and we talked about that it was not a good matchup for arizona um i'm not saying that i thought arizona was going to make it close i certainly picked washington state to cover that spread but uh, i was a little surprised that they got totally (laughs) the floor wiped with them as they did um and i'm surprised i mean i guess you could say it's not it's not it's not fully surprising, I guess. Like we, we knew Colorado was struggling and scuffling along, but I was, I was surprised to see them only put up one touchdown in the first quarter for the second straight week. I thought McIntyre yeah. was already fired. So I had, <laughs> I've been advising a couple of friends on pac 12 bets and Utah over Colorado was one of mine. And we got him at seven. Yeah. And, and we talked about this on the podcast last week. So I'm texting people going like, Hey, wait a minute, Colorado fired its coach. So it's always terrible to take a team that fired its coach that week uh, because they play out of their minds. And uh, <laughs> so the Denver, did you see this? Like the Denver post or whatever the, uh, the newspaper was that fired half its staff comes out and says like, Oh, Mike McIntyre is fired. And it's like, Oh snap, he's fired. So I'm firing all this stuff up and uh, Nope, Nope. Still on the side line still looking like he's gonna vomit every <laughs> single play offensive destroy terrible uh he does yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna miss the Mac, mike mcintyre kidney stone face because <laughs> every single time the camera finds mike mcintyre he always looks like he is passing a kidney stone <laughs> it is so bad so do you do you think he was 
rightly fired. I mean, like what he inherited from, I can't even remember the guy's name right now, but he was the tight end. Oh, good yeah, Lord. John Amber, was the, yeah. heart, heart of a Buffalo or whatever he said when, as he, as he walks out like one and 11 and just no recruiting yeah. class whatsoever. Do you think it was time for McIntyre to go? You know, I think so. Um, you know, I think one of the more underrated, uh, facets of, of head coaching, I think is, um, can you make good coordinator hires? Um, and I realize that that sounds like really banal and everyone thinks that head coaches should be able to do it. But, um, you know, if you don't have a track record of it, I mean, Todd Graham, oddly enough, had a pretty good record of hiring coordinators and then he just kind of missed at the end. Um, but, and, and so did, you could argue did Mike Stoops, but McIntyre without Jim Levitt turned out not to be a very good football coach. Um, and the, like Colorado has under the entire McIntyre tenure, Colorado has not had a very good offense. Uh, including this year where they looked good at the beginning, but I mean, really everyone figured them out at the end. Um, I don't know what you could say you could, you'd hang your hat on. It's surprising. I mean, two years ago, he was the national coach of the year. But that's that that part, I think I just, I sort of, if you were going to say like, I, I don't know. I mean, they've, they've recruited reasonably well, but I mean, it's not. Have they I mean, though? Wanna, like really? I mean, they're always what, top 40? You know, it's not like he's blowing people out of the water. I know that yeah. you know Colorado is Colorado but that's a beautiful campus with a semi recent history of success and uh and it's it's a good school i i just i don't know like i i would assume that i uh-huh. but i i tell you i'm amazed at some of the names people are throwing out for this Colorado job like and i'm not saying that Colorado is not a good job but like I've seen Dana, Dana Holgerson from West Virginia. Get out of here. Get out of my face. (laughs) And everyone, everyone's just kind of saying like, Oh yeah, call it like Colorado is clearly a better job than West Virginia. And I, I don't really think that that's necessarily like, I mean, everybody, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I respectfully Um, disagree uh, about West Virginia being a a worse job than Colorado. They have a better contract. They have more money. They're dedicated to that sports program. And I don't know if that's the case in either three of those at at Boulder, right? Yeah, I know. And I mean, I I I think people have sort of thrown around even like, you know, like Dino Babers of Syracuse. And I, I don't know that I wouldn't argue that like maybe Colorado is a marginally better job or, you know, maybe one tier better than Syracuse, but Syracuse has ACC con, you know, ACC football money from their, their, their TV contract. Like he can retain a better staff at Syracuse and probably bring in more money himself. Um, than he's going to be able to at Colorado with Pac-12 money. And is I he mean, even I, a West coast guy? Yeah, Babers coached there. I mean, Babers has coached everywhere. <laughs> but, um, Babers is actually from Hawaii. Oh, um, and then uh, he um, played at Hawaii, and he's uh, well. He, he was, I think, I believe his dad was in the military, but he spent a lot of time out on the West Coast. Okay, uh, and he actually coached at Arizona uh, in Desert Swarm for a bit. Oh, snap! So he's he's a guy. I mean, his offense is fun. Um, it's not actually a great offense this year. They were they were much better last year. He's got a good defense this year. Um, I'm just not, I don't know. I, I think if, if there was a name I was going to kick around for this Colorado job, it's probably Matt Wells, the Utah state head coach. They're having a phenomenal year. And even the last couple of years, a lot of people have sort of seen him up and coming, uh, even before they kind of broke out this year, he's been viewed as an up and coming coaching candidate. 
Um, he, he popped up on a lot of people's radars a few years ago, and then they had like a down year and a half, and he was completely yeah. he was disappeared from the coaching uh, carousel, and now he's back, which is nice. So I mean, I think that kind of shows it takes a lot to. I think they're in Logan, Utah, to build up something there. So, yeah. but like you know, wasn't that what Mike McIntyre was? Where at, at San Jose State he built San Jose State. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, obviously, I Wells mean, has a longer tough. track record, but. I mean, like if you're, it's a lot easier to scheme and like in college football, you can hire, you can hire an offensive scheme and you should, I mean, like if, if, if someone is on a, I mean, I, I mean, I would, you can look at Jonathan Smith coming in at Oregon state. Um, I mean, offense, you get to decide whether it's a run or a pass. You decide where the ball is going. You can, you know, try to exploit defense's weaknesses. Um, offense is more about scheme often than athleticism. I mean, not that athleticism doesn't help. And if you have a great scheme and great athletes, Alabama, you will not put up ridiculous points, you know, <laughs> but, um, on defense, you know, so I, I would like to see Colorado probably, I mean, teams always sort of go, people always had to go sort of go in the other direction from like the person they just quit on, you know, it's like relationships, like schools often <laughs> hire like, you know, like Mike Stoops couldn't coach offense or something like that. And so they go hire Rich Rodriguez or, um, they go in the opposite direction of where they were, just were, um, I don't, I mean, I could see, I would like to see with some of the offensive talent that they do already have on Colorado's team, you know, maybe go out and hire and, uh, a more offensive minded coach, or at least somebody that can bring in a, a well, you know, a groomed offensive coordinator, but, um, they definitely need help on both sides of the ball schematically. And I don't think, I don't want to like look across the staff. Like, I mean, Chivarini doesn't deserve to be retained. I mean, some, if they were going to have any conversations about retaining anybody on the staff, I think it would be silly because they've, they've sort of underperformed for a while. You take a look at the other side of the coin here with Clay Helton, USC drops its game to UCLA and you just have to, you just, he's a dead man walking. Uh, like you mentioned, unless yeah. they just blow the doors off of Notre Dame. And even then, you know, I think they put them because they're USC and a bowl. Are they even bowl eligible? I don't even know if they're. No, the they're five and six. They're five oh, sweet six. Moses. <laughs> oh, my God. So, USC, I think USC has, uh, let me look at this. It's not good. Um, USC has against the Irish. Oh dear God! Um, they have a point one oh one four five shot against Notre Dame. Notre Dame's actually been playing even better <laughs> down the stretch here. Um, yeah, so Clay Held has an infinitesimally small chance of beating Notre Dame and uh, is most likely to lose by close to thirty at home. Yeah, and and we'll keep a, a lookout for all of these coaching changes, and uh, so just know that we'll keep it on our radar. Let's stick to the games here because there was a lot to tie. I guess one thing, you know, congratulations to Utah for not just winning yeah. the Pac-12 South, but freaking having to grind for it, right? Yeah, I mean the Utes had to. I mean, it was not a banner year for the conference. It was particularly not a banner year for the Pac-12 South. Um, Utah is not the worst team in beta rank to have won the PAC 12 South, but they definitely ran through one of the worst PAC 12 Souths in recent memory. Um, but having to do it, you know, and finish it out without your starting quarterback, without your starting running back. Um, and, you know, and still being able to, to grind it out and win is, is pretty impressive. So congrats to the Utes and they go get a rematch against Washington state, which, uh, maybe Washington state, that one's not wrapped up yet. I spoke too soon, but Washington state or Washington, um, two of their losses this year. So they'll, they'll have a chance to, 
to redeem themselves. I thought that the Apple Cup was at Washington this year, and it is absolutely not. And so, it's the Blues. I, yeah, I know, man. Gardner, Michigan. <laughs> one of the most. Let me just take a moment. One of the most joyful moments of my life is watching the happiness that is the Gardner Minshew show this this year. Like oh, he yeah. is so funny. He's catching balls and throwing them into the the crowd and spiking him and yelling and dancing on the sideline. And he should absolutely soak all of that in because what an incredible story that that is what that is why people play sports and why we watch sports is the opportunity for somebody like him to step in and just, uh, just take up, um, like set the world on fire, like from being a pedestrian quarterback at East Carolina, it just shows you how important scheme is and how important coaching is. If you want to get to the next level. So, um, it has been so fun to watch him on the sideline and a pleasure to watch him, uh, throwing and slinging around looking forward to him to doing that. In the Palouse, um, trying to think of anything else before we get. I mean, the Stanford Cal game was. I think it's canceled. Period. Right. I don't know if they're no, rescheduling no. It's, it. it's post. It's postponed. So because neither of them are qualifying for the Pac-12 championship game, they're going to play that weekend. Oh, uh, which is great. I mean, yeah. it's it's a, like I mean, it'd be a bummer for that game. Uh, you know, like a rivalry game like that not to get played. So um, it's great that they were able to reschedule it and uh, play it. I'm trying to think of any anything else big picture to talk about. Um, oh, you want to talk There's about some that? Questionable targeting. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. So here, you bring it up because. So, and by the way, if you like the podcast, you should follow us on Twitter. Rob runs that uh, Twitter account, and it's at one two pac radio at twelve pack radio. We're starting to get like some good questions, and one of them was on targeting Rob, and you run that account, so I'm not certain who it was from. I'm sure it's a Utah fan because we've thrown so many darts at Utah for for targeting, but they also have been the target of bad calls as well, and I think this is one of them. But what what was the question and uh, and I, I think I know, I think I know the, the clip that you're talking about, but yeah, one of our Utah fans, um, and unfortunately I'm on my work laptop at the moment and I am prohibited from looking at Twitter on the work laptop, but, um, one of our Utah fans, uh, chimed in and asked us if we were going to talk about the chase hands of ejection, uh, that came about four minutes into that Colorado game. Um, and yes, we are certainly going to talk about this chase hands and ejection, um, yeah, we both watched it. Uh, it is, uh, it's actually incredibly good tackling form, um, where Hanson kept his head up till the very last minute and then brought his head down. But at no point did he spear or lead with the crown of his helmet and he got his helmet right across the chest of the opposing player. So, uh, if you ever wanted to show someone video of what decent, I mean, uh, you know, decent tackling form would be like, that's a great video to send. And he was, not only was it called targeting on the, I don't think it was actually, was it called targeting on the field? I'd have to go back and look at that. But it was reviewed, of course, and they came back with no targeting. It, the one thing to mention is Chase Hansen is a bad, bad man. And yeah. it's not his fault that he can douche Steven Montez in the ribs with his shoulder, by the way. His head wasn't even, <laughs> he didn't even hit him with his head. Like it was, it was really bad. These, these refs, this whole year has been incredibly frustrating from a Pac 12 fan standpoint, whether it was the Cal uh, spot that almost cost them the game against USC or a number of different targeting calls, particularly on Porter Gustin, where, um, uh, some of those targeting hits were not seen as targeting. Yeah. Uh, you have the general counsel from the PAC 12 calling in and saying, no, no, it's cool guys. Like we, th- that wasn't targeting. All right. We, everybody, everybody. Yeah, you didn't. I mean, like it is, it is just insane. And I don't know how you fix that besides, I mean, I guess you can just hold these refs accountable. Right. And it doesn't seem like they're doing that. 
I guess my concern is is that if if there are referees who are supposed to be able to take a little more time at the Pac-12 headquarters and be able to review um, that, like, who do I trust that is actually going to, to label label targeting correctly? Right? Like, if you were going to make a video of like this is targeting. Would you, given what we've seen from the Pac-12 review, which should be the guys that I trust as the experts back in the video booth in Santa Clara, you know, would you trust those guys to come up with a good like video, like of this is targeting, like uh, to train refs on for the next year? I actually, I don't know that I would, and that sounds like really a harsh thing to say, but I mean, there are a lot of hits like. I do think we do need to treat as targeting that are, that have been let off because they were sort of glancing blows. I mean, like Scotty young in the Arizona Washington state game led with the crown of his helmet, you know, did make contact with the opponent's helmet. Um, it wasn't, um, it ended up, you know, being let off because it was deemed a sort of a, a, gla- a glancing blow or like a, not a really harsh shot, but I mean, he clearly led with the intention of drilling him with his helmet. That part, that part we need to get out of out of football in order to save football. But like what Chase Hansen did was, I don't know. I mean, we've missed too many obvious ones, and there's too many other ones that get reviewed and you know go end up going the wrong way after a review. Even that's the part that I, I we I would have more faith in it if the review process was getting it right, um, and we were just having you know mistakes made on the field in real time. There is a beautiful GIF. Uh, somewhere on <laughs> online and I think it's from Wolf of Wall Street and it's this guy dressed in all black in a leather chair and he's basically lighting his penis on fire. He has his pants on and everything so it's it's safe for work but he's looking down at it and there's just this flame coming up from his crotch and he has a lighter and that is the picture I have anytime it's let's go to the booth and see if that's a targeting call. It's just this guy slumped over in a drunken stupor lighting parts of his body on fire. Like I have zero trust in this conference to make the right decision but but here we are so um so thank you for bringing that and by the way if you have other issues that you want us to cover or talk about um we try to watch all of these games but we miss portions of them like this is a good example of i know rob like when we talk about the utah colorado game you'll be the one covering this because you saw um a, a decent portion of that but we missed this particular call so thank you for sending that to us um so that we can cover it at 12 pack radio is our twitter handle um, anything else we should cover before we get into, uh, week 13 and our sleazy bets? No, I think we're good. All right, do it. Let's do it. Let's get into our sleazy bets. Hey, um, can I get some pac 12 gambling advice up in here? Is William Shatner? You want it? Pac-12 gambling lines? You got it. Nice. You want it? Baby, just bust a move. Okay. All right, is the sleazy bet segment. The best segment in the world covering all of the Pac-12 games this coming week. And there is many games to talk about. We also talk about what uh, happened in the previous week as we go through. We're going to go um, from the earliest game to the latest game. And then we will talk about how each team did in the previous week. Let's start Friday, 1 o'clock p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Oregon is a 16.5 point favorite at Oregon State. This line has moved four points already. It opened at 12.5. It has now moved to 16.5 points. <laughs> <laughs> like, look, Oregon State sucks, but their offense is quite fun. Let's talk about Oregon, though. This Oregon game against ASU, uh, Oregon 31, ASU 29. And I watched this. Rob, you watched the first half of this game, and I watched the second half of this game, and you clearly got the better. 
<laughs> the, the longer straw in that draw because holy goodness, that second half was terrible. But tell me what happened in the first half and why Oregon came out to a pretty strong lead and looked really good going into halftime. So I think that, I mean, the real story of this game is I thought Oregon's offense was going to be able to put up some points on Arizona state. And they mostly did, did it in the first half. Um, but Oregon's off or Oregon's defense, which has had an up and down season, just had probably their best game of the season. Um, they showed up, they were able to shut, you know, Benjamin down really after the first drive, um, Arizona state's wide receivers who are quite talented, had a really, I mean, just set of terrible games against these Oregon, the Oregon secondary. Um, and it was, it looked a lot like the Stanford game for, uh, for, uh, Arizona state, just a lot of, a lot of confusion and misplays and, um, you know, Manny Wilkins, you know, without the greatest, the world's greatest completion percentage. And, um, yeah, just a, a tough game for the Sun Devils out there and a, a really, you know, a, a, for an Oregon defense that hasn't been great all season, um, probably their best outing, um, which is, I guess, sort of a good sign because it's still a youngish defense. I was really impressed. Well, take that back. Everything's relative here. I was fairly impressed with the secondary of, uh, of Oregon, particularly the, uh, the cornerbacks, the, yeah. I'm trying to remember who was on, uh, I think it was Thomas Graham was on, um, uh, Nikhil Harry and did yeah. pretty well, like broke up a decent amount of passes. He was staying on him. He was draped on him. This was in the second half of the game. Uh, the second half yeah. was terrible. Uh, ASU ended up scoring 16 points. Oregon scored three. And I really do blame this on play calling. There were many, many times where you could see that you were able to run this ball against ASU. And for whatever reason, Wilcox kept mess, like mixing up the plays and just, or not Wilcox. <laughs> yeah, it's been, oh man, it's been a long day. Um, it was just a weird mishmash of play calling. And I thought it really hurt the offense. It put them out of rhythm. There were uh, basically Oregon just needed to run out the clock. They were up uh, fairly handily at halftime and continued to make mistakes and three and outs and three and outs and three and outs. You just go like, how do you not move the ball? It's not like this ASU defense is playing out of its mind right now. It was just weird play calling. And that, I think that just kind of led to uh, the result, which you had in the second half, which was 16 to three ASU and ASU had a chance to tie this game up uh, at the very end. So they score a touchdown and they go for two and uh it, it was interesting. Herm Edwards is like very, a very trusting person, which in this, in this conference <laughs> is a really terrible trait to have when it comes to Larry Scott and the decision-making process uh, from, yeah. from our, um, <laughs> from our TV contracts all the way down to uh, reviews. So at the end of the game, he goes for two Wilkins hits. I forget what wide receiver was, but he catches it in the back end zone. He was out and it looked like right. he was out. his toe was, it was barely on the line, but it was on the line. But I was surprised that Edwards didn't like push for a challenge or anything. He kind of just, ex- he accepts the, he did this in the San Diego state game too. <laughs> when it was yeah. that, when the targeting call, he's like, well, them's the rules. I guess we lost. Right. And he what did the same. Yeah. What are you going to do? Uh, he did the same thing here, which actually is a breath of fresh air when it came to like watching Rich Rodriguez, like scream his head off or like we were talking about Mike McIntyre having an ulcer on the other side of the, uh, the coin there. But anyway, I, I thought it was interesting that, um, that Oregon does not have an offensive identity. At least it doesn't look like it after this game too. And, and watching some of the other games, I, I happen to be a lot more of a fan as we were going through the season of Oregon and Rob, I have slowly swung your way in the, 
in the sense of like, this isn't really that good of a team. And the announcers were talking about like, oh, they got all these players coming back in a good recruiting class. This is a national title contender. I'm like, hey, let's pump the brakes, man. Let's pump the brakes. Whoa, whoa. That's bananas talk. (laughs) Holy moly. Um, Somebody put out, I mean, somebody had a a critique of Oregon that, you know, uh, that it's clean. What really let Arizona State back in the game partly was Oregon turnovers late. Um, But Justin Herbert had regressed. Um, and I think the the comparison people make is last year. And this is something we talked about <laughs> early on that Herbert ain't played nobody. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. that, you know, last year that, that it was a little bit of fool's gold and I wanted Herbert to prove it to me this year um, against good defenses that he could do it because last year he is, his stats that everyone fell in love with were against some of the very worst defenses in the country. Um, and I think this year, like there, he makes some throws sometimes. I mean, some of it's on the play calling. Um, some of it's that Sewell is out there, uh, freshman left tackle who has been, who was phenomenal. Um, and you know, it's been a little harder for them to run the football, but some, I mean, Herbert, the, that intercept, one of his interceptions in the Arizona game was just baffling. I mean, it was like the dude couldn't read zone. Um, cause he threw it right. To Arizona's player. Um, he's, I think this I think this Oregon team, they're interesting. And this staff is interesting. I don't, we don't dive a lot into recruiting Oregon's number four in recruiting right now. I mean, they're crushing. Yeah, they're football killing recruiting. It, yeah. Yeah. Um, so this staff is going to, you know, bring an immense amount of talent. in. so like, you're not going to grade this staff out and it's finality until like maybe two years from now when those guys come in and, you know, are playing. But as it looks now, like, no way like Oregon maybe takes another step forward next year. Um, you know, and is sort of like hanging around a little later in the PAC 12 race. But, um, I, I'm, I came away like very disappointed in this Oregon team that I was, I would, I talked myself into being a little higher on at the beginning of the year, but yeah, the one thing to your point too, is that, and Hithloday had brought this up on the podcast when we were talking with him, it's the transition and, and actually so did Dan Rubenstein is the transition between the smaller, more agile offensive lineman of yeah. Jim Kelly, uh, who's the guy that got fired. Have you raced him from my memory? Uh, oh, helper. Yeah. Helper, uh, era to the bigger, more like just the beefier, stronger offensive lineman. And that process is happening. So yeah. like, I, I guess I can see a scenario where, yeah, that is a problem. Uh, I have to go back and watch Hithaliday's videos on, on this particular game to see what the actual problem was, but what, what did they specifically do in the first half that got the ball moving? I mean, I know that the turnovers were a problem and stuff, but I mean, the fact that they were able to put up, what is it like 20, 28 or 29 points in the first half and then three, what, what were they doing better in the first half? They were running the ball. Well, particularly outside, um, you know, like they were able, I mean, Arizona state had no answer, um, at all. I mean, and Arizona state was sort of clogging up the middle, um, and Oregon was able to get uh, get some yards busting outside, and they were really good. Herbert had Herbert; it was good Herbert in the first half. <laughs> um, <laughs> he uh, he had some good passes. Dylan Mitchell was dang near unstoppable. I mean, like D- Dylan Mitchell is clearly the best player on that entire offense, and he had a phenomenal first half. Uh, you know, including just blowing by um, is it you know one of his uh, Arizona State defenders, and um, Arizona State looked very very confused and. I do want to say that some of it is that Oregon, you know, kind of came out flat in the second half, but Arizona State made some adjustments too um, to slow down, you know, this Oregon offense. And, 
you know, tip the cap to them um, because Oregon's Oregon's not an offensive juggernaut um, this season. I'm the part that I'm a little more, and uh, if I was going to talk about disappointment on this Oregon team, it's that this defense is so bad and this was their best game, but like, I just, I came in expecting a lot more. from Jim <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but with that, players. I thought they did a good job in the second half. I mean, oh, I in this game they did a good job, but yeah. Yeah. I, there was a lot of, big third downs where that defense really stepped up, put pressure on Manny Wilkins. And I was really impressed. And like the offense did them no favors. I mean, they were on the field basically that, that whole second half. And I'm going like, ASU has to win this game, right? Like Oregon is giving right. me nothing and the defense time after time after time was able to step up, but I'm with you in terms of like the long term. but I, I was yep. impressed with them specifically in the second half of that game. Let's move over to uh, Oregon state. So Oregon state lost to Washington, 23 to 42. I'm going to be f- super honest. I did not watch a minute of this game. <laughs> did you watch this? I, I, uh, I will confess to catching the highlights and rooting desperately for, um, Jonathan Smith's offense to, um, backdoor cover. And they did God bless them. Um, because there was a moment early in this, like early where it was, it was ugly in the first half and Jake Browning, um, looked unstoppable like every Jake Browning Heisman monument tweet I had tweeted out all season. I thought he was going to make me pay for it just then and there. <laughs> Cause I think there was a point where Washington was up like 28 or 31 to the three or something absurd like that. And it's like, Oh, this is going to get really ugly. Like, thanks. Vegas was right. I was wrong. Um, but Oregon state, you know, at the end came back and scored enough points to get over the line. So shouts to Jake Luton, man. I love Jake Luton. He is so <laughs> fun to watch. I, my and biggest Jefferson had a great game. Sorry. Well, no, I was just the one thing that drove me freaking nuts is that nobody, there's no like siren. Jake Luton is playing the game. Y'all alert on Twitter. Yeah. So I didn't watch a minute of basically any Oregon state game. If I wasn't gambling on it and all of a sudden I flip, I forget what game it was. I'm like, Oh, freaking Jake Luton's in. How about nobody's telling me this? Like, this is fun to watch. And uh, like, yeah. yeah, you like you mentioned Jamar Jefferson, 115 yards. Yeah. Jake Luton uh, didn't have that great of a game, 190 yards and a touchdown. So it wasn't like he was slinging the ball around as, as well as I would have liked him to, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. I cut you. I cut you off. No, Jefferson. Had, no, I cut you off. Actually, I apologize. <laughs> but um, Jefferson averaged six point one per carry Hell yeah. against this Washington defense. Like, give the guy. Like, the guy should make. Like, I know it's tradition not to put an underclassman on the All Pac-12 team, first or second team. But like, Jamar Jefferson deserves it. Like, the guy has had just a phenomenal year behind that crap line yeah and that's um, a good freaking front seven washington yeah <laughs> like, yeah i mean go like going against benberg curvin yeah like it was a, this was exactly what i expected from this game like washington being able to put up a bunch of points because oregon state's defense has just got awful but oregon state's defense is actually kind of sneaky fun and like they put up some points benberg curvin with another uh, 10 plus tackle game he has had only two games this entire year where he didn't <laughs> have less than more than 10 tackles that's insane uh he is he is a monster so uh let us move to oh okay so the line on this game is uh oregon state is a 16 and a half point favorite i wanted to take oregon when they were 12 and a half points i'm gonna take oregon state this is a rivalry game it's at home i didn't like a, a 
I didn't like anything that I saw out of Oregon in that second half of that game. I understand that they're a significantly better team, but I like the fact that Oregon State could actually move the ball. And like you were saying, Rob, the fact that Oregon's defense isn't as strong as we had anticipated over the course of this year. And I, I clearly uh, believe that heading into this game. So I'll, yeah, I'll take the 16 and a half. What the hell? Uh, I'll take Oregon State. What about you? I got to say, like that line, that earlier line would have been awesome because uh, beta rank has it at an 89% uh, win probability for Oregon and about 16.8 points. <laughs> so oh. uh, like the line has moved to where beta rank thought it thinks it should be. Unfortunately, <laughs> so, <laughs> Bummer. Um, if you jumped on the early line for Oregon, like congrats to you. This is why um, we got to record on Sundays. We, we had to push this I back know. a few days because of traveling and stuff. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, it was, I was traveling and I got like three hours of sleep because I stayed up and watched those games late. Oh, you know, I'm going to take Oregon state. Cause I just, I don't think or like Oregon had their best game of the season. Like, I don't know that they put it together again. And like, I really like this. I really like this Oregon state offense. Like the defense is just God awful. But I mean, I, I think Oregon's offense can sputter uh, at times and shoot themselves in the foot, even against any defense. And I think uh, Oregon state's offense is going to show up and play. Okay. What is more stupider, Rob? Um, me saying that I might sprinkle some money on the money line. This game. <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think Oregon state has like, does Oregon state have any chance of winning this game? I think they do. I yeah. just told you that they have like, like less than like a little less than an 11% chance to win this game. And you're like, sprinkle some money on the money line. Why not? Like let's, let's have some paint. See what happens. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, then the second part of the question doesn't matter. I, <laughs> no, I mean, like, sprinkle some money on the money line. Wow. Do it. Oh. I mean, smoke. You got him. You've had a great year, you know, like you, I mean, but you might as well like turn it into a parlay with like Auburn beating Alabama or something too, right? <laughs> yeah. There you go. That, then I'll really know that this is like a preordained. This, this is your is year. Yeah, when you, when you walk out with like a million dollar parlay. <laughs> Um, okay, all right. So we both have Oregon State. Uh, I am going to sprinkle, uh, sprinkle, 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 sprinkle a little bit on the money line. We'll see what happens. I love rivalry games. So, um, moving on to Friday at five thirty at Fox, Washington is a three point dog. Dog uh, at Wazoo. I am excited about this game. This is so fun. I'm glad it's on Friday. I'm glad it's on Fox. I'm glad we're probably gonna have Gus Johnson on the call, which is gonna be freaking awesome. Uh, this is such a fun game. I uh, l- let's go into the Wazoo Arizona game. If you want a bigger breakdown of this game, we talked about 40 minutes, just basically burying. <laughs> we, we did the funeral for uh, Marcel Yates on Wildcat Radio, so we won't talk too much. But Wazoo just beat the like really just tore. Arizona's secondary apart. Gardner Minshew was incredibly efficient and fun to watch. He had seven touchdowns in this game through for more than 400 yards. I think it was 55 to like seven at halftime. Like it was embarrassing. And, uh, but with all that said, like Arizona's secondary isn't that good. And our breakdown of this game last week was okay. Well, maybe Arizona has a chance if they have two weeks uh, to prepare, which they did. If Khalil healthy is, uh, if Khalil Tate is hundred percent healthy, which he was. And, uh, you know, if Arizona wins, it'd be like 45 to 40 or, you know, 50 to, we <laughs> no way thought that Washington state would score 69 friggin' points on Arizona. And that's yeah. what happened. So they come in looking real good, uh, against a Washington team that we just talked about in their game against Oregon state. I'm curious what your numbers say on this, Rob. 
so this is, I mean, this is like the game, like the late game of the year. Like this is going to, it's going to decide the North. Um, it's against the number 12 team in beta rank, uh, Washington state against the number 20, 29 team in beta rank, Washington. Um, so Washington state comes in with the number four offense in beta rank, the number 70 defense. Um, so a defense that has its spots and has its moments, but isn't great. Um, but they've been significantly better than they were last year on special teams, uh, at number 34, Washington, on the other hand, a um, little more of a balanced uh, team. So they come in at number 35 on offense, number 27 on defense, number 99 on special teams. They have been terrible <laughs> special teams this season. In particular, their freshman kicker has just been bad. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, – And hold on. Let me just is, stop you. That's saying it in light of watching the debacle that has been Mike Leach's special teams over the entire I course know. of his coaching career. So this is pretty Man, bad. Kyle, like Kyle Sweet returning punts is a, like a revelation for that Washington State team. Um, Washington State is a 74% favorite in this game, which is like, – I, I say this every week. Like Things that happen roughly 26% of the time are not unusual. So like Washington winning this game would not be an immense surprise. Um, that being said, like Washington state's about a 7.8 favorite, 7.8 point favorite, um, in this game. And I, I like the kooks. Um, I think Vegas is sort of, I mean, this is, this is the third week in a row. They've had a line that's been low. I mean, and they, they, are, they like the kooks are just monsters against the line. This season, yeah. They're the waiting for the brain fart game, which has not come <laughs> like they, they know Vegas knows, but. <laughs> Like they're just like just torching the line this season. Um, and it's not that, I mean, like, you know, that's one touchdown. Washington could turn Washington state over once and that's a race, you know, and like, it's basically even in this game, but I like this Washington state team in this game. It's at home. They've got the better special teams. You give them any kind of field position advantage or if Washington state uh, ends up with uh, any turnovers from Washington, um, if they end up even plus one in this game, I really like Washington state, uh, to win it. So yeah, I'll, I'll take Washington state, uh, in this game. I 100% agree. I don't trust Washington's offense, even though miles Gaskin is back. Oh, yeah. I tend to be a little bit higher on Washington state's defense for whatever reason than your numbers are. And, and consistently this year, I, I don't know why I've just seen them and I like, I just like what I see. I think they're a little bit better than the statistics show. Um, so add that to the fact that Gardner Minshew is just going to, <laughs> do some dirty, dirty stuff in this game. And I, I'm with you. I think that this is the, the team is just rolling and it's kind of like the Utah team where Utah just continues to win and, and can have put together a string of good uh, games. They had that one hiccup against, I think it was ASU. Uh, but over the course of the year, they just been able to consistently deliver the fact that it's at home. Uh, I give, give me Wazoo. This is their year. I'm excited about this. I'm going to put real money on this game. And we shall move on to Saturday. Oh, I, I oh, yeah. forgot to say, like, and Washington's real weakness this year on defense is they have not been great on pass rush. Um, and so a lot of their strength is like they're tackling and they're linebacking up the middle. And like, so you haven't been great on pass rush. And some of those guys aren't are going to have to be on the bench because you're going to be recovering four or five wide receivers. Yeah. Why? Um, Garner Minshew don't care. I think he's been sacked. It was at nine times this entire year. That's <laughs> so crazy. Yeah. I mean, like Washington, like Washington is, is, I think they have a good defense. This isn't a vintage Washington defense. And um, I think this is going to be a troublesome game for them. 
Nice. All right. Saturday at noon on Pac-12 Network, Stanford is a six and a half point favorite on the road at UCLA. UCLA, bring it knocked off SC, man. They did it. Chip Kelly in his first year uh, basically took the silver... The silver bullet and shot it through the heart of Clay Helton, who's a dead man walking right now. I I think I took UCLA in this game because I didn't trust USC's offense. And um, you did take UCLA. You look like a genius. Yeah, I, I, I didn't sprinkle money on the money line there. I, I probably should have on that one, but. I still don't know what this UCLA team is, but I know it's better and has continuously gotten better over the course of the year. How good is that? How high is that bar, though? Like, it was so low, right? So so where does Vader rank have these guys at? So it's got Stanford. Stanford's been, like, sneaking up, like, late in this. Like, they had a real bad middle of the season getting waxed by Notre Dame and Utah. Um, Stanford is uh, number 25 now in the model. Um, their offense is, which had been excellent, excellent, and, and then came back down to earth a little bit, is at 31. Their defense has been sneaky improving as yeah. the season has gone on. They're coming in at 46 now, so they've been playing better down the stretch. Their special teams is just phenomenal, number nine. Um, so this Stanford team often benefits from good field position and putting the opponent in bad field position. UCLA um they're a fun offense they're number 55 uh, i would say and Dang. state remember yeah. when they were like 100 <laughs> we're like it's chip kelly like, we were, we were throwing hot takes chip on kelly chip kelly forgot how to play yeah and then like joshua kelly just um, like erupted on oh god he had a monster game against usc um but their defense still isn't very good like i, I think that's a big takeaway that um, from that USC uh, UCLA game is that the um, the defense is still really bad. That USC offense is hot garbage. Um, you know that that offense is ranked number seventy nine in the country. So don't I wouldn't get too excited that JT Daniels looked awful. <laughs> um, but a big thing in this game is there's a lot of hidden yardage because UCLA comes in ranked at number one hundred three on special teams. Um, I really like Stanford in this game. The model likes them at 89% and roughly 16 and a half points in this game. Oh my gosh. Uh, so give me Stanford. I don't, I think it, maybe it's a little bit of an overreaction to that beating of USC and maybe USC being a little overrated in Vegas still, but um, I, I like Stanford to, to roll out and uh, beat them pretty good in this game. And Stanford on a buy basically. Yeah. I mean, they had a buy. I mean, you sure they had to prep for Cal, you know, but like but they're healthy. Yeah, they need, they're yeah. I mean, another week to get healthy and uh, come out and uh, you know. I mean, it's just this. This feels like a, this feels like a good game for Stanford to come in and just hose Chip Kelly <laughs> yet again, <laughs> like they used to do. Just remind him, like, <laughs> hey, we we, st- we still got your number, bud. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. I w- was going to take UCLA. Until I brought up the stat sheet and remembered that Wilton Spade is their quarterback. <laughs> and, and then, <laughs> the, the, the one thing that was uh, Joshua Kelly, 40 carries for 289 yards and two touchdowns against USC. How in God's name is USC giving up 289 yards to anyone? Like not just teams, a, a single person. No, no, not just, not just, I mean, Kelly has had some good games against some bad defenses and against some relatively goodish defenses. And, and UCLA has been a team that has put up far more yards than points, but I mean, USC gave up all those yards to a guy that was at UC Davis <laughs> and, and, an, and an offensive line where boss Tagaloa is starting center. And he was a defensive lineman last year. Oh like, just USC. What are you doing? I mean, <laughs> 
How did we get here? It's so stupid. Okay, right, give me uh, give me Stanford and sixteen points, man. That's like a ten point difference uh, in the score. So I might I might give up some points. Maybe get a little bit more get sleazy vig off of my uh, my back here. <laughs> so um, let's move to Saturday at twelve thirty on Fox Sports One. ASU is a one and a half point favorite at Arizona. This is the Territorial Cup. We broke this game down like in decent length, about 15 minutes on Wildcat Radio, so we don't want to repeat ourselves. But, um, Rob, w- without going into like the deep numbers, what, what does Beta Rank have the probability of ASU winning this game uh, when Vegas has listed them as a one-and-a-half-point favorite? So it has Arizona State at a 74% win probability. Um, actually, it's roughly the same as we had. It has uh, Washington State. Um, so that's about a 7.8-point favorite. Um so I, I like Arizona State more than that in this game, uh, more than the the, uh, the line anyway. I think that uh, Arizona's defense just isn't very good. And you, you sort of have it like in this Arizona State to beat them uh, this season, like for some of the teams that have beat them, you also have to have Arizona State come out and just have a bad game, um, you know, like they did at, say, Colorado or uh, Stanford and, and Oregon. And not that they haven't been up and down this season. They certainly have. Um, and when they're bad, they can be beat. But uh, I think this ASU offense, I have enough confidence in them to win the game and, and cover. Yeah, I agree. Give me the devils. I just don't believe in this Arizona team too much. So that, there is certainly a chance that Arizona can win this game. The one thing that I'm the most worried about is Khalil Tate playing hero ball, which he tends to do when he's playing in the Territorial Cup or if he's playing USC. Like He just feels <laughs> like he has to win the game by himself, which is frustrating because uh, he has this why it's a team game. So, um, right. yeah, give me ASU. Let's move Saturday to 4 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. Colorado is a 12-and-a-half-point underdog at Cal. Twelve and a half points, man. That that is that is a lot of points against a Cal team that cannot move the ball one bit. Um, with that said, Colorado <laughs> scored seven points against Utah <laughs> at home uh, in the snow. And uh, let's talk about that game here. Utah thirty, Colorado seven. Utah wraps up its Pac-12 championship, uh, Pac-12 South championship. I don't want to speak too far ahead here. Um, this did you watch this game, Rob? The Utah game. Yeah. The Utah Colorado game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so uh, this game was horrendous in the first half. Uh, it was a snowy mess. Um, it was seven, seven uh, Utah really couldn't get it figured out. Um, Colorado was, I mean, and, and this is, you know, Shelly, you know, on the back of running back um, and they, you know, they were kind of struggling on offense against this Colorado defense in the snow and the cold in the, uh, the flip side of it was Colorado, uh, just could not do much of anything against this Utah. This very, very good Utah defense, even with Chase, Chase Anson ejected. Um, the second half, though, totally different story. Utah figures it out. They didn't run the ball, which I think a lot of people were expecting them to do, given the weather uh, and how they had totally gutted Oregon by just running the ball down their throat. Um, they uh, threw the ball. Shelley threw the ball pretty well. Uh, which has to give you a little confidence if you're a Utah fan uh, going forward. Um, and yeah, I. I I, th- I think Utah did a really, really good job uh, wrapping it up in Colorado in some sloppy uh, conditions and uh, against the team that in theory was playing for their coach's job, uh, which he done lost. I'm going to take Colorado in this game. Twelve and a half points. I, well, it's here, too many points. It's too, too many points. It's too many points against a team that can't so, score the ball. And I hate taking a team. 
I hate picking against a team that fired its coach in the previous week. Like almost every year that like it happens over and over and over that team comes out the next game and plays with its head on fire, has something to prove they're playing for their coach. The, you know, the, the interim's rallying them. Plus they have Steven Montez. It's not like this team can't move the ball. I understand that Cal's defense is quite good, but uh, 12 and a half points. You're going to give that to me. I'll, I'll take those points. I think Colorado scores at least 21 in this game, uh, which keeps them close enough. Uh, eh, 21, maybe 17, uh, which is still going to keep them well more than close uh to this cal offense Uh, what were you gonna say rob so colorado i mean cal is a 71.7 so roughly 72 percent favorite in this game in the model that is 7.22 points in the model so that's not 12 i will i mean i don't i i don't want to watch any of this colorado (laughs) offense up against this cal this cal defense is just a a, like an octopus monster from the deep like (laughs) they tackle so well they are so disciplined um, and they've, they've started to get some decent pressure on the passer. Bacay is having a real breakout season for them. I, but that's just, that's still too many points because Cal's offense is just trash. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's it. Like, give me Colorado and Colorado is going to give Montez just a bottle of Jack and just say, go to town, buddy. And just sling it around. Eat all, like- the, eat all the red Baron pizza you want, bud. Like, <laughs> Knock yourself like have, have yourself have yourself a red bear and a jack breakfast and go, let's go let's yeah, go just play play fast and loose baby fast and loose yeah <laughs> it's gonna be great all right cool so the next game we have Saturday at five p.m. on ABC oh my god oh my god so bad let's 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 title this correctly this is Clay Helton's Viking funeral and he has not been fired so we can't bet on USC it hasn't actually happened yet that rule only applies when the coach has actually been fired Uh, Notre Dame is an 11 and a half point favorite on the road at USC and this could get ugly I think right like well, so what do you, I, I don't, I don't know anything about Notre Dame aside from the game that they played against Stanford, which I watched in full. I know they are good. I know their defense is pretty good, but, um, let's, what's, what's the update on the numbers here? Um, so Notre Dame comes in at number seven. Um, they are 21 on offense. They are number seven on defense. They're number 26 on special teams. Um, USC is not anywhere near number seven. Um, they are number 69. So congrats nice. on that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 79 on offense, 50 on defense and 71 on special teams. The model loves, uh, us Notre Dame in this game. Um, it has this actually maxed out. So oh, Notre Dame, roughly a 98.45% favorite to win this game. So, um, th- like the way that the probability works out is that the distance between these two teams and where beta rank puts their scores, uh, there've been roughly like almost uh, 1100 games uh, in the data that I have uh, of games in this distant space. And um, there have been 11 upsets in 1100 games. So um, ish upsets. (laughs) So not not the spread, right? Just the upsets. Yeah. So, but I mean, that this roughly works out to almost 30 points. See, in Oregon State, uh, Oregon State, Oregon wasn't in there. So, yeah, they, I, I guess sprinkle the money on the money line there. Sprinkle Oregon State. Sprinkle 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 sprinkle. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, there's a chance, but um, <laughs> yeah, this, this Notre Dame team, I mean, they just massacred Stanford early in the year. Um, and they've been playing a lot. They, they've been, they've been, they haven't been as high in my model in parts of the year as they have started to come on late, they've started to play better as the year has gone on. 
Um, and I, I, I really like this Notre Dame team. I feel like they're surging a little bit coming into this game. Meanwhile, USC is, uh, I mean, basically like after losing to UCLA, Clay held inspired. So uh, the, the, the team is running around. I mean, JT Daniels is running around saying that it's not Clay Helton's fault because the players didn't execute. And I'm like, whose fault is it that the players didn't execute? Like, (laughs) (laughs) right. Like, um, this is, this is all but a done deal. I mean, this is, and it's at home. I mean, if Notre, like, it's going to get so, if if Notre Dame goes up like 20, you know, 21, seven in the second quarter, it's just uh, the boobers are going to be at, it's going to (laughs) be nasty. I mean, the only people that will be left at the stadium will be Notre Dame fans and Notre Dame does travel well. So I do expect a lot of Notre Dame fans to pick up tickets to this game because USC fans will be selling them. Um, and USC fans who want to yell expletives at Clay Helton. <laughs> <laughs> How many interceptions does JT Daniels throw in this game? Four. No, oh. I mean, that's, that's no four. I mean, he's four, right? Like, I mean, he, he plays five hundred. That's that's their most effective offense. But you, like, you can get away with that against a lot of defenses in the Pac-12 because they don't have world-class athletes that can go up for jump balls against USC's wide receivers. But uh, Notre Dame does. Do you think we see Jack Sears? <laughs> it's going to get that bad, I think. Out of the bunker? I mean, out of Matt Fink out of off of injury time and I think Matt Fink is healthy enough, but like I I mean, I would have thought you would have played him last week. Do we see Ross so Bowers? Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like for USC? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, might as well. Um, I just I, I was amazed that Daniels was left in the game. He made inexplicably stupid. Th- I mean, there were two interceptions and JT Daniels has had some doozy interceptions this season. And he had two interceptions in that UCLA game. And the first one was like, that's the dumbest JT Daniels interception I've seen all year. And then he threw a worse one. Like, <laughs> it was so bad. Oh my gosh. So bad. Uh, okay, cool. Well, uh, I'm glad that we're both emphatically going to be uh, yeah. Give me the Irish by a million. Like, it should be ugly. Oh, my gosh. All right. Final game, Saturday at 7 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. BYU is a 13-and-a-half point underdog going into Utah. I watched the BYU-Cal game, which was a disaster. And I watched the BYU-Arizona game, which was also a disaster. And I have concluded by watching those two games that I don't want to watch a minute of this game. (laughs) But I I haven't watched them since, so I'm not sure. Maybe they've turned it around. Who knows? Uh, yeah, they're okay. I mean, BYU is not great. Uh, Utah's got roughly an 86.44, um, probability in the model. Um, that is about 14.4 points. Okay. Um, so, but I, man, like I, I don't like, you could argue that BYU is going to come into this game motivated. Um, (laughs) it's a rivalry game. Sure. Um, they played a little better uh, as the season has rolled on, just a little better anyway. Um, where they rank out there at 68, um, they're at 100, 100 on offense, 40 on defense. They do have a decent defense and 46 on special teams. But even with the points here, oh, and you duck. No, but Utah still doesn't have their starting quarterback. I know. So that's the, like, right? If BYU's defense shows oh. up, how are they going to move the ball? Oh, this game's going to be um, like 10 to 13 to zero or 13 to three or something. stupid. No, it'll be like just under the spread. Um, I don't like, I feel like this Utah team is, is putting it together a little bit more. And I, I, 
still what was the spread again? Thirteen and a half. Give me Utah. The the model thinks it's fourteen. What the heck? I still think the model is a little high on the Utah offense. Um, and it hasn't fully factored in the, the injuries yet. But yeah, I, I think Utah comes out motivated. They've had a kind of things going their way this year, and that defense is good. Yeah, give me BYU. And the reason being that it's a rivalry Ooh. game. If the number is basically close to your model, you know, like, and, and the fact that BYU has a good defense and Utah is kind of sorting through some stuff. I mean, I think I think Utah wins. I want Utah to win. I want. I do think a Utah versus Washington State game would be quite fun, particularly with Utah secondary. So I'm going to be. Don't wanna, for- I do not want to watch Utah Washington again. I'm sorry to um, all of the Utah fans that we have and the Washington fans. I just I don't want to watch that game. The second half of that game was uh, an affront to modern football. <laughs> but it's going to be with Gardner Minshew, like the, the spruce. No, no, up. Washington state. No, not. I will happily watch Washington state, Utah again, happily watch that game again. I do not that Washington game early in the season oh. where Utah and Washington played. And the second half was just a series of both teams blitzing and like Jake Browning and, um, Hunter, uh, yeah, Huntley uh, just like buckling under pressure. Yeah, Huntley did his best Khalil Tate impression, which is basically oh, just <laughs> horrendous. Like no one could run the ball, no one could throw the ball, no one could do anything. It was just mind numbing. Yes. Do not make me watch that. Again. Get it together, Washington <laughs> State. Like let's save us all. That. I forgot about that game. They wiped that I out of my memory. Love, love that Washington State Utah game, which I did watch early in the season, and it was on Pac-12. Was like an actual fun game. Um, and I think Utah fans, like they, they did lose on a, they, there's a questionable call in that game, um, that went Washington state's way that helped them win the game. Uh, but I would still say like Washington, like both of these teams are far better than they were then. And I would, I would love to see that rematch. Okay. Um, but you, man, like you, I just want you to let you know, you are going to hear it. If Utah covers, <laughs> from, well, it won't be Utah. the first time and it won't be the last time. <laughs> they will not. There are things that they will forgive, but picking BYU in the Jello mode mold bowl is not one of them. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. It'll be, look, I'm, I'm rooting for Utah, but um, it's a rivalry game. It'll be cold and BYU's defense is pretty good. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Um, it would be funny if Utah lost though. Like like Ute Twitter would oh, explode. And I follow a considerable number of Utah fans. And it's like, we, we are, we are like the, the Ute man podcast. If you get a chance to listen to them, they do yeoman work covering uh, that Utah football program. I do not want to see the Utah Twitter meltdown if they lose to BYU because they have talked massive, massive amounts of shit about this season and they, about BYU. I mean, BYU's been kind of down for a while and they have talked so much smack. And if they had to eat any of that back, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. They get mad when like Kyle Kuzma gets called for a charge and it's not, I mean, like <laughs> imagine what they're going to do. When this oh, stuff happens. Like, one of my favorite things that Utah fans occasionally retweet that ends up my Twitter feed is like, they religiously read, um, one of the uh, BYU message boards <laughs> just like surface things and like talk mad shit about what is good being said on like cougarboard.com or something like that. Like it is, I mean, it's pretty hilarious. Um, and BYU 
for like, a, and I having grown up in Wyoming and, um, watch Joe Tiller teams go up against, uh, some of the old Lavelle Edwards teams. Like it was, um, BYU fans can have their head up either. You know what's, but man, like Utah fans have talked just mad crap all season. Like I just, <laughs> like I would be like the, the puckering that would go on in Salt Lake city is just unbelievable. But, um, I hope it's, uh, I actually, I hope it's, I hope it's beat down because, uh, I think Utah, I, I, I like that Utah has kind of separated themselves from BYU in this and uh, in this game, uh, in this rivalry. Right on. Well, uh, just to give a heads up, so I am 41 and 20, 46 and 21 against the spread. Rob, you are 41 and 32 against the spread. But Rick, man, so Rick uh, Denice, who comes on the podcast, 44 and 29 against the spread. He's two behind me. He's having the heck of a year. And every. <laughs> Every week. Hey, I'm also having a heck of a year. <laughs> yeah, you know, like whatever. Man. <laughs> but like every week he goes like four and one and I go four and one too. So it must be maddening to, uh, <laughs> to not be able to, yeah. to pull away. But shouts to you too. You've, you've done a really good job this year. So hopefully um, our friends that have been uh, riding with us have made a little bit of money from this podcast this year. Uh, we'll see what we do, how we do at the end of this year. And again, we'll be continuing to do the bowl games, which I think will be quite fun, particularly with your numbers, Rob. Um, I'm hoping I love bowl. I love bowl season. Last year, the model went eight and one on PAC 12 bowls. Like, uh, so it picked all not PAC 12 teams. (laughs) The, the one that it got wrong was Oregon. Oh, because I didn't know it didn't know that like Royce Freeman wasn't going to play. Ah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. But it even it had Utah as a very slight favorite in their game. So, oh, nice. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, um, yeah. That that'll be really fun. Last year we did a um, a bowl preview. We actually wrote little like fun vignettes of all 40 bowls. Uh, I'm going to check with oh, Ryan. Ring- wow. Yeah, I'm going to check with Ryan Ringdell to see if he's up for doing that again. It was hyster- like, and, and he's quite. Um, he's quite fun. So, uh, we usually like pull out little tidbits of the players and stuff and kind of make fun of the coaches and all that stuff. Like, I think he called the, um, the heart of Dallas bowl, like the, the beating blood pump from like, I forget what he called. Like, uh, anyway, uh, I'm not doing it justice, but just know that if we do those, we will release them and we'll tweet them out because they are quite good and we have a lot of fun doing them. So stick with the podcast. We'll continue to go throughout the PAC 12 championship and bowl season. Thanks for listening. And we will catch you next week.